0: Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers, here are today's top stories. California is pointing the finger at Florida in the case of illegal immigrants flown to Sacramento. The state's attorney general has opened an investigation. Less than 10% of gun owners registered their pistol-stabilizing braces after a recent deadline, and owning them unregistered could result in stiff penalties. Saudi Arabia will make a deep cut to its oil output as the summer travel season approaches. OPEC Plus seeks to boost flagging prices. And Tiananmen Square massacre commemorations were held worldwide yesterday. We share the scenes and some thoughts from attendees. Controversy over illegal immigrants flown to Sacramento. California officials are investigating whether Florida played any role in sending the migrants to the California capital, who were allegedly sent without advance notice. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more on the unfolding immigration controversy.
1: 16 illegal immigrants from venezuela and colombia were dropped off at the doorstep of the roman catholic diocese of sacramento on friday california governor gavin newsom says the migrants were first taken by bus from texas to new mexico and then flown by private jet to sacramento California Attorney General Rob Bonta says the state is investigating whether there was criminal or civil liability for those who arranged the flight. Bonta said initial findings revealed the migrants had documentation purporting to be from the government of the state of Florida. The Attorney General added that what he called state-sanctioned kidnapping is not a public policy choice, labeling it immoral. DeSantis arranged to transport dozens of migrants to the affluent vacation island of Martha's Vineyard last year. The Florida governor criticized the reactions of cities and states that had proudly declared themselves to be sanctuary destinations in the past to receiving such migrants themselves.
2: The minute even a small fraction of what those border towns deal with every day is brought to their front door, They all of a sudden go berserk, and they're so upset that this is happening. And it just shows you, you know, their virtue signaling is a fraud.
1: DeSantis also spoke about the illegal immigration crisis at an Iowa rally on Sunday.
2: I've heard as a Republican talk about this southern border for years and years and years. I will finally be the president to bring this issue to a conclusion.
1: Florida approved 12 million dollars in May to transport illegal immigrants from outside Florida to Democrat-controlled areas. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: NTD reached out to Governor DeSantis's office for comment on the accusations. We'll keep you updated if we hear back. Pistol braces now have to be registered after a recent deadline. However, numbers show the vast majority of owners didn't do so. Here are the estimated numbers and the possible consequences.
3: It's estimated that gun owners have registered less than 10% of pistol braces with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, or ATF. A pistol brace is a device that is attached to a pistol, allowing it to be fired with one hand. In January, the ATF declared that pistol-stabilizing braces converted pistols into short-barreled rifles, which are much more regulated. Gun owners had until May 31st to register their braces without paying a $200 administration tax. According to various estimates, the number of pistol brace owners are numbered between 3 and 40 million. Only a quarter million were registered by the deadline. This brings the number of registered owners anywhere from 0.6% to 8%. Owners could also comply with the new rule by removing the braces, altering them so that they could not be reattached, or by destroying the firearm. The ATF told the Epic Times that ATF is unable to estimate the number of possessors of such firearms that use either of these methods to comply with the final rule. Likewise, we have no data currently available for the number of firearms abandoned to ATF. Owners of pistols with unregistered devices could be charged with a felony and face up to 10 years in prison, $10,000 in fines, or both. The ATF wouldn't elaborate on how it would enforce the rule, saying ATF is unable to comment due to ongoing litigation. Many are now suing for the right to use braces without registering them. Gun Owners Foundation was among them, saying while Congress was slow to act on this wide-reaching rule, GOF stepped in to defend the millions of Americans facing legal jeopardy. Meanwhile, in different gun-related news, the ATF is reminding people that Americans who smoke marijuana are still prohibited from owning guns under federal law. The announcement came shortly after Minnesota Governor Tim Walz on May 30th signed a bill legalizing recreational marijuana across the state. The ATF states that until marijuana is legalized federally, firearms owners and possessors should be mindful that it remains federally illegal to mix marijuana with firearms and ammunition. That includes individuals who have a valid state-issued medical marijuana ID card.
0: A new study says nearly everyone in the U.S. who has donated blood enjoys some form of protection against COVID-19. And that likely reflects the situation of the larger U.S. population. The study found over 96% of people aged 16 and older who donated blood had evidence of antibodies against COVID-19. The blood samples were analyzed between July and September 2022, and it was an increase from the almost 94% of people having antibodies between January and March of 2022. Both are a huge jump from the roughly 68% from mid-2021. People have antibodies from prior infection, vaccination, or both. The study was published by the CDC's Quasi Journal on June 2nd. 25 to 40% of small businesses permanently closed their doors due to the lockdowns, all while big business thrived. That estimate comes from Jeffrey Tucker, senior columnist for the Epoch Times and author of Liberty or Lockdown, WE SPOKE WITH HIM ABOUT HIS NEW ARTICLE ON THE BUSINESS WINNERS AND LOSERS OF THE PANDEMIC. JEFFREY TUCKER, THANK YOU FOR
4: JOINING US. IT'S GOOD TO BE HERE. THANK YOU.
0: JEFFREY TELL US ABOUT THE IMPACT OF PANDEMIC LOCKDOWNS ON BOTH BIG AND SMALL BUSINESS
4: well, three years ago, in three months, we went through a national lockdown that uh, particularly hit uh, small businesses hard because the edict came down from Washington that all indoor and outdoor venues where people gather had to be closed. But but the uh, it was a selective, so uh, you probably remember this. But all the small businesses were closed, all the small restaurants were closed. So uh, you know the local butcher was closed, the retailers were closed, everybody was shut down. But on the other side of town, the big box remained open, the Walmarts, the Home Depots, and of course you could always order anything from, from Amazon. And this went on months and months and months in some places as long as two years. Well, it destroyed millions of small businesses despite all the government subsidies. It was, it was a pittance compared to what they lost in profitability. And at the end of it, what we see is a huge transfer of wealth from small businesses to large businesses, uh, retailers still haven't recovered and information systems and all of the, uh, the big box uh, stores all did very well. Now, keep in mind, there was a public health rationale for this, as so they said, it said that the big stores were able to adopt social distancing better than the small stores, they had better ventilation and that sort of stuff. But what if that's just an excuse? I mean, what if this was actually a mechanism of competition? And in my piece for Brownstone, I argue that that's what it was.
0: Tell us about uh, how you come to that conclusion. How do you argue that that's what it was?
4: Uh, Well, uh, just for example, I give a number of examples. But uh, for example, Amazon is owned by Jeff uh, Bezos, who's the founder of the CEO. He also owns uh, The Washington Post. The Washington Post editorialized very, very strongly and emphatically for lockdowns, well, it just so happened that it benefited his his business enormously. And another uh, case I cite in point uh, c- c- cite is from uh, March. There was an article called "The Hammer and the Dance," which was written, of all things, by a guy who owned a education a remote learning uh, platform, and his article uh, advocating lockdowns got uh implausibly many many millions of views and it was translated all over the world nobody even heard of this guy before so there's just a number of signs uh the other thing i think we need to remember is, is something from the history of capitalism which is that you know the the, the largest businesses are not typically the best advocates of uh, competition in fact they quite often like to use this system to hurt their competitors well lockdowns was a great system for the big business, for big businesses, and terrible for small businesses. So there is that.
0: So it sounds like the big businesses are the winners, small businesses are the losers. Um, what do we? What do we do to restore genuine fairness in the American economy? Uh,
4: well. <laughs> um, uh, One thing is never do this again. I'll just give you one more example. Uh, Large restaurants, all-you-can-eat buffets that hold 350 people, and they went to 50 percent capacity. They weren't hurt that much. But a small coffee shop holding 10 people We're going to 50% capacity, would have bankrupted the place. And in fact, that happened all over the country. So I would like to see some compensation for the small businesses in the form of huge tax breaks for small businesses. Uh, But there's another thing, too, that I think average people can do, but support your small businesses, support the people who are hurt by lockdowns. Your dollar can be a vote and make a difference out there. We've seen the way these large companies have gone woke, they've become highly political, uh, Target is in trouble. Well, that's another example. Target benefited from the lockdowns, okay? So they have not shown themselves to be friendly to uh, mainstream American values. So I think you know consumers can provide their own form of justice here. And I think just you talking about it and me writing about it does a lot of good, just so that we can become aware.
0: Well, Jeffrey Tucker, senior columnist for the Epoch Times and author of Liberty on Lockdown, thank you.
4: Okay, it's a pleasure. Thank you.
0: After the break, a body has been recovered from the apartment building collapse in Iowa. It's the first death confirmed in the tragedy, as rescue efforts have ended. And expect higher prices at the pump as the Saudis cut oil production by 10% in July. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. A body was recovered from the scene of the Iowa apartment collapse. Two people are still missing as authorities worry about the further collapse of the building. The body of 42-year-old Brandon Colvin Sr. was found. He is the first person to be confirmed dead in the tragedy. Local residents are still waiting for news on two other men. Colvin's son graduated from high school over the weekend. He and other family members were at the scene of the disaster almost constantly since the tragedy took place waiting for news. City officials called off rescue efforts a day before Colvin's body was discovered. They are worried that the swaying building poses a danger to rescuers. The local mayor said that the debris pile could be a place of rest for some of the missing. Oil and gas prices are set to rise as the Saudis cut oil production by one million barrels per day. That's their largest cut in years. To explore what this means, I spoke with Bart Marcoy the Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary of Energy for International Affairs during the Bush administration. Bart Markoy. thank you for joining us.
5: It's a pleasure. Why is Saudi Arabia cutting oil production? They're pursuing their self-interest. They're, they are funding a, an expansion of their economy. They're funding a modernization of their economy and of their society. Unlike us, they have a very high birth rate, and they need the money. And their revenues have been greatly diminished because oil sales are denominated in U.S. dollars, and we are, we are uh, watering down the value of the dollar right and left. And I mean that literally. Both the right wing and the left wing are watering down the value of the dollar. This, this debt deal... Uh, $4 trillion uh, it allowed in additional spending, all that does is weaken the value of the dollar. And the Saudis are saying, okay, so we sell oil at at uh, $76 a barrel, but it's not really worth that much. We're only getting $55 a barrel in spending power. We need to make sure that the price is higher. And So they cut by a million barrels per day. That's going to raise it to probably around $85, $87 a barrel again, which is their target. And it's going to make gas prices go higher, and airplane travel go higher, and everything delivered by truck and rail go higher. Everything in America is going to go higher because they've done this. What can President Biden do about that? He could undo everything he's done since he became president. The 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 main cause of our economic woes and of the Saudis cutting oil production is that we are no longer producing oil and gas in the United States as we were when Donald Trump was president. He, one of the first things Trump did when he was elected was open the taps and lift the restrictions on drilling and production. And we, ha- we were energy- Self sufficient for the first time in recent history. And when we produce sufficient energy, the Saudis don't have control over the market. We do. We controlled the oil markets for two or three glorious years under President Trump. And the price of oil was down in the 30s per barrel instead of uh, hovering around $80 per barrel. Um, he could he could cut spending. He could say, forget about that debt ceiling deal we just made, forget about these multi trillion dollar bills, the spending bills we passed. We're going to cut government spending. You mentioned how Russia is funding the war in Ukraine
0: with oil and gas sales. How are these changes in OPEC and Saudi Arabia likely to impact
5: the war in Ukraine? I'm glad you asked me that. The, the entire war in Ukraine is funded by Russian oil and gas sales, and when the price of oil is over $80 a barrel, it's easy for Russia to go out and buy more ammunition and buy more weapons and buy more drones from Iran and, and all of the things they need to pursue this war of aggression. If we wanted to stop the war in Ukraine, we could simply start producing our own energy again. And that would bring down the price of oil around the world. And that $40, $45 oil, Putin can't afford to feed his population, much less wage an aggressive war.
0: Well, Bart coy thank you for joining us. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. That oil production cut could push gas prices higher as the summer travel season inches closer. But how much of a tangible impact will it have on the U.S. economy?
6: Here's Don Ma with NTD Business. All right, thank you, Chris. Saudi Arabia will make oil production cuts in July. This is part of a broader oil output limiting OPEC plus deal because the group faces flagging oil prices and a looming supply glut. OPEC plus decided to reduce production by a total of 1.4 million barrels per day. And here to talk to me is Patrick DeHaan, Petroleum Analyst at GasBuddy. Now, the previous OPEC Plus oil production cut we had did have an impact on gas prices, but an argument can be made whether it had a long-term sustained impact on gas prices. So I'm wondering, how should we feel about this one, Patrick? Well, there probably
2: will be a negligible immediate impact. Oil prices are trading up, as is expected after such an announcement. Um, that could push the national average in the U.S. up anywhere from 3 to 6 cents a gallon over the next week, maybe 7 to 10 days. The more significant impact could lie down the road as the U.S. summer driving season has begun. This is taking supply out of the market at a time that the U.S. and the global economy badly needs it. Uh, U.S. oil inventories, when you consider the SPR as well, are down over 126 million barrels from a year ago. So. OPEC and Saudi Arabia's production cuts are certainly going to make it more difficult for inventories to get back to healthy levels.
6: So what you're saying is the the impact of the production cut will have an impact to a degree, but the bigger thing that we should be concerned about is the summer season right around the corner.
2: Yeah, most certainly. As summer progresses every day, there's going to be less supply in a market that is looking stronger than anticipated. Jobs more uh, jobs numbers continue to look good. The U.S. economy continuing to uh, uh, avoid the recession level Uh, and that is going to put more pressure on inventories as we get into the bulk of the summer driving season. As demand goes up supply is now going to be curtailed in the months ahead led by the July cut from Saudi Arabia of over uh, I should say a million barrels that they could extend into August.
6: All right. Just, just one more thing. Let me get your best guess on what the Biden administration's reaction will be on, on all of this.
2: Well, it certainly is going to make things a little bit more challenging and put the administration in more of a box than before. Now, Secretary of State Blinken is heading over to Saudi Arabia this week. It certainly could add an element of discussion um, that we could see uh, unveiled here at this point this, uh, later this week. But it certainly does add a little bit of pressure. to The administration, they did have a plan to refill the SPR they had hoped to do so, but now with OPEC continuing to hold a very tight line in oil production, uh, oil prices may not get down to the range that the administration wanted to refill the SPR.
6: All right. Thank you so much, Patrick. GasBuddy, great seeing you again. Thanks for having me. A Goldman Sachs analyst said the meeting was moderately bullish for oil markets and could boost December 2023 Brent prices by between $1 and $6 a barrel. Now, this is depending on how long Saudi Arabia maintains output at 9 billion barrels per day over the next six months. Back to you, Chris. When we come back, a
0: near-collision encounter. A Chinese warship cut in front of a U.S. destroyer in the Taiwan Strait The Pentagon called it an unsafe maneuver. And a win for media freedom in Hong Kong, a journalist wins a court appeal. Find out what she said after the ruling when we return. Welcome back. People around the world gathered yesterday to mark the 34th anniversary of the Tiananmen Square Massacre. Over 30 people were arrested in Hong Kong for commemorating the June 4th protests. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the weekend vigils and thoughts from
7: attendees. A candlelight vigil was held in Washington, D.C. to remember those killed and injured in the 1989 Tiananmen Square Massacre. We at the Victims of Communism
2: Memorial Foundation will continue to call for justice and accountability. For the victims of the Tiananmen Square massacre.
7: Members of the Uyghur, Tibetan and Hong Kong communities condemned the ongoing brutal crimes of the Chinese Communist Party or CCP.
8: I hope that starting from this year we also make
9: this a day of reflection, of action.
7: At a vigil in London Sunday, many Chinese said there are more people from mainland China participating this
10: year.
8: A lot of people in China have a kind of awareness that the government wants to maintain its dictatorship. They want to maintain their rule, and they don't care whether the people live or die.
7: One tourist from mainland China said it was the zero COVID lockdowns that pushed him to attend. He thinks more young mainlanders, once skeptical of the situations in Taiwan and Hong Kong, are now changing their minds. Not only in England, but in Paris, but in Berlin, but in, uh, in American and in overseas. The young people are feeling about that. I think it's a trend. Free Hong Kong. Free Tibet. Dozens of demonstrators rallied in Sydney and chanted slogans like Free Hong Kong and Free Tibet. Some held yellow umbrellas and placards in remembrance. The freedom
9: fighters in China still carry on the fight to achieve the hope and aspiration for freedom state and state democracy in China.
7: Hundreds of people gathered at a memorial in Taipei's Liberty Square in Taiwan.
8: We need to remember history, but we also have to be cautious. We should not allow democracy and freedom to be infringed upon again.
7: The candlelight vigil was adorned with flowers and a Pillar of Shame statue. One attendee said it's important to show strong determination and protect Taiwan's values, regardless of the threat of war.
1: We are the group of people who will protect freedom. We cherish this value. We need to let the enemy know that we will not exchange freedom for security or other benefit.
7: In Hong Kong, the location for the annual Tiananmen vigil was replaced with a pro-China food fair this year. At least 30 people were arrested for their involvement in the commemorations, including 67-year-old prominent democracy activist Alexandra Wong, also known as Grandma Wong. Hong Kong deployed around 6,000 police officers, including riot and anti-terrorism units, to suppress any attempted demonstrations. In mainland China, any mention of the Tiananmen Square massacre is heavily censored and prohibited by the CCP. The exact number of those killed in the 1989 Tiananmen Square student protests is unknown. Declassified documents from an unnamed whistleblower in 2017 indicated at least 10,000 were killed. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. An award-winning Hong Kong journalist today
0: won an appeal in a rare court ruling upholding media freedom in the territory. Speaking outside the court, she praised the ruling.
8: More importantly, it also states um, the importance of the constitutionally protected freedom of the press and of the speech. And I think that is the biggest significance of today's ruling.
0: Choi was found guilty of deceiving the government by getting vehicle ownership records for journalistic purposes. She had been trying to track down perpetrators of a mob attack on protesters inside a train station during the massive anti-government protests for a 2019 documentary. At the time, she was fined $800 for two counts of making false statements. The ruling sparked outrage among local journalists over the city's shrinking media freedom, but judges of the city's top court today unanimously ruled in the journalists' favor, quashing her earlier conviction. The film she co-produced won the Chinese Language Documentary Award at the Human Rights Press Awards in 2021. Another close encounter between the U.S. and China, this time on the waterways. A Chinese warship came dangerously close to a U.S. destroyer in the Taiwan Strait. The Pentagon accused Beijing of acting in an unsafe manner.
11: Here's the story. The incident took place Saturday in the Taiwan Strait. The U.S. guided missile destroyer Chung Hoon was conducting joint exercises with Canada's HCMS Montreal. The U.S. Indo-Pacific Command said a Chinese warship cut in front of the U.S. ship came within 150 yards and forced it to slow down to avoid a collision. The Navy called the interaction unsafe, noting that the Chinese vessel violated rules for safe passage in international waters. Beijing responded to the U.S. and Canada for what it called deliberately provoking the risk.
3: The Chinese side dealt with it in accordance with the law.
11: The Chinese regime has claimed self-governed Taiwan as its own territory, despite never having ruled the island. The incident in the Taiwan Strait occurred when the U.S. and Chinese defense chiefs were in Singapore for a major regional security summit. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin called out China's behavior as irresponsible and coercive. Canadian naval commander Paul Mountford was a witness to the close encounter. He said the Chinese Vessels Act was a deliberate one. The fact that uh, this was announced over the radio prior to doing it clearly
2: indicated it was intentional. Maneuvering close to each other, 150 yards, uh, is, is very scary. Uh, and you, you don't ever want to be that close to another vessel because too many things can go wrong and you can actually have a collision.
11: Colin Coe is a security analyst at a Singapore-based research center. He weighed in on Saturday's incident in light of the worsening U.S.-China relations.
8: The close encounter actually happened to just the U.S. Navy ship, not the Canadian ship. So I think it's very clear that China is laser-focused on the U.S. as its main adversary, and the signal is largely to the U.S. more than anything else.
11: Co-warned of an international uproar, should Beijing continue actions that undermine international freedom of navigation and overflight? It was the second such encounter in just a few days. On May 26, a Chinese fighter jet flew directly in front of the nose of a U.S. military aircraft over the South China Sea. Washington denounced the move as unnecessarily aggressive.
0: The launch of ChatGPT has set off a global craze for AI chatbots. Many companies are competing to invest in artificial intelligence research and development. Asia's largest information and communication exhibit, Computex, was held in Taipei this year. What are the latest tech trends? Let's take a look.
12: Asia's largest information and communication showcase, Computex, has just wrapped up in Taipei. It attracted more than 30,000 tech professionals from 26 countries.
8: Taiwan is competitive in leading global technology. We are trustworthy among the international communities due to our democracy and freedom. We value our democracy, cooperate with like-minded partners to propel the development of the global tech industry.
10: Not only creating together with AI, but creating together also Taiwan and, and Europe. So there are hundreds of European SMEs who are joined up in these clusters.
12: The trade show's theme this year is Together We Create, focusing on AI applications, high-performance computing, and hyper-reality. Hi, everyone. We're back. NVIDIA CEO Jensen Wong delivered the highly anticipated keynote speech. Wang was born in southern Taiwan before his family emigrated to the United States. NVIDIA has surged to become the world's most valuable listed semiconductor company and a major supplier of chips and computing systems for artificial intelligence.
2: Like, hey, voice mind, could you write me a song? These are the words. Okay, play it.
8: I am here I come, You text. I will make you like me first, yeah.
12: Wong presented a time-sensitive question to a bot to test the AI's immediate response. He also demonstrated the power of a high-performance AI computing chip The H100 and the world's first accelerated computing processor, Grace Hopper.
10: Hello,
8: what do you want to eat?
12: AI is finding uses from sophisticated computing all the way down to everyday life. This polylingual machine allows you to order food in another language simply by talking to it in your native tongue.
3: This combines ChatGPT and OpenAI. It can serve tourists from around the world They speak their own language to the machine for bills and so on, all done by electronic payment.
12: Some say the AI voice robots could help make up for staff shortages and may take on a greater role in our daily lives in the near future. UBS predicts the AI hardware and services market will reach $90 billion by 2025.
0: The next Computex is scheduled for June 2024. Coming up, has Ukraine's long-awaited counteroffensive begun? Kiev keeps silent about it, but Moscow says it has killed hundreds of troops in the east. And an Australian mother finally walks free. She was pardoned after spending 20 years in jail over the deaths of her children, more shortly here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. A U.S. D-Day veteran returned to Utah Beach in France over the weekend for the first time since landing there in July 1944. Andrew Negre remembered the intense battles that were fought there.
6: There's a lot of casualties. and It was pitiful. We had almost run over a body to get into the beach. And don't forget, we were all 18, 19-year-olds.
0: At 99, Negra is the only member of his battalion who is still alive. He participated in combat operations until his division reached Eastern Germany in April 1945. Negra is among dozens of World War II veterans, mostly Americans and British, who traveled to Normandy this week to mark the 79th anniversary of the largest seaborne invasion in history. On D-Day, Allied troops landed on the five codename beaches, with Utah Beach as the westernmost one. On that day, over 4,000 Allied soldiers lost their lives, more than 2,500 of them Americans. The D-Day landings were a decisive assault that led to the liberation of France and Western Europe from Nazi control. Veterans are due to take part in official ceremonies tomorrow, including at the American cemetery. In Ukraine, speculation today on whether a long-awaited Ukrainian counteroffensive has begun. Moscow claims its forces have foiled a major offensive, killing hundreds of troops and destroying dozens of tanks, while Kyiv accuses Russia of spreading lies.
13: Moscow said on Monday its forces had thwarted a major Ukrainian offensive and killed hundreds of troops. The Russian Defense Ministry said Kiev had attacked on Sunday morning with six mechanized and two tank battalions in southern Donetsk. The enemy's goal was to break through our defenses at the most vulnerable, in its opinion, section of the front line. The enemy did not achieve its goals. It had no success. Russia said it has killed more than 250 Ukrainian troops and destroyed dozens of tanks and armored vehicles. But Moscow's claims cannot be independently verified. Ukraine accuses Moscow of spreading lies. Kiev confirmed its forces continued moving forward near the long-contested city of Bakhmut, in Northern Donetsk. A video released on Sunday by the Ukrainian Defense Ministry features troops gesturing to silence. It suggests officials will make no formal announcement of the long-awaited counteroffensive against Russia. A British military analyst said, Ukraine needs to show its own people and Western allies it can break through Russian lines.
12: It has to show that Ukraine, suitably supported, can defeat the Russians on the battlefield. Battlefield success has to be enough to show hope and prospect to bind in further strategic support."
13: However, he added the delay of the offensive gave Russia time to learn some lessons, including the ability to counter drones and how to fire at Ukrainian artillery and tanks. Meanwhile, a pro-Ukraine group of Russian partisans on Monday claimed they had gained control of a Russian border town. They published footage of armed men in camouflage gear walking through a town. The statement came after Russia's defense ministry said it had repelled a Ukrainian attempt to cross into the region on Sunday, killing more than 10 fighters. Another pro kiev Russian militia published drone footage on Monday showing a military vehicle on fire in the Russian border town.
0: An Australian woman imprisoned for 20 years over the deaths of her four children was pardoned today. A judicial review found there was reasonable doubt about the original convictions. Kathleen Megan Folbig was convicted in 2003 for the murder of her three children and manslaughter of her fourth. Folbig maintained her innocence and said the children had died of natural causes. An initial inquiry in 2019 found the evidence reinforced her guilt, but a second inquiry, started in 2022, found there was a reasonable possibility that two of the children died from a genetic mutation and a third from an underlying neurogenic disorder. The state attorney general of New South Wales pardoned her and released her from prison today. 55-year-old Fulbig was serving a 30-year prison sentence, which was set to expire in 2023. Her children died separately over a decade at between 19 days and 19 months old. When we come back, a collection of British art is on display at London's Tate Britain Museum. Portraits spanning over six centuries provide a glimpse of the past. And a treasure trove of Viking coins is discovered in northern Denmark. The silver dates back over a thousand years. Find out what connection it has to Bluetooth technology when we return. Welcome back. A collection of British art is back on display at London's Tate Britain Museum. The new layout features centuries-old portraits that provide a glimpse of the past. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details on the latest curation.
14: For the first time in ten years, Tate Britain has rehung its permanent collection. Paintings and sculptures spanning six centuries are on display. Well, what we've done is we've rehung the entire collection
0: displays at Tate Britain, which is across 40 rooms, for the first time in 10
14: years to offer, in a way, a whole new way of looking at British art history. The gallery's walls have been repainted. Different colors represent different periods of art history. But the display is about more than aesthetics. The project has been a chance to highlight artists who were previously overlooked. Joan Carlyle painted this portrait of a lady in the 1600s.
0: You know, there are 800 works, and uh, 200 of them were acquired this century. Uh, I think something like 70 were acquired in the last last five years.
14: Tate Britton hopes the gallery's new look will showcase the rich history of British art. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: A treasure trove of 1,000-year-old Viking coins has been unearthed in northern Denmark. Discovered last fall, the silver dates back to the 980s. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the loot.
14: This Viking treasure features almost 300 silver coins and jewelry. It was found in a farmer's field. Tractor plowing likely helped churn it to the surface.
9: have a lot of uh, private detectors operating in Denmark, so actually it occurs uh, from time to time that they do find uh, a a hoard from the Viking Age, but it's extremely rare.
14: The coins are particularly interesting to archaeologists. The collection dates back to the 970s through the 980s, during the reign of Viking King Harald Bluetooth Gormson. Harald was one of the last Viking kings, uniting much of the region, which is why Bluetooth technology was named for him.
9: The archaeologists definitely believe that there was a settlement and a rich one, one of of power and influence, and they was very close to the fjord, so they were well connected. So there was a person of local power.
14: Some coins feature a Christian cross on one side, likely introduced to help spread Christianity throughout Denmark.
9: We know it from the rune stones, but but now we see that he did it through the coins as well. So it was actually a piece of propaganda, you can say, that he, he actively used the coins as a media to spread the message of Christianity.
14: The coins were in circulation for less than a few decades. In the mid-980s, Harald lost a power struggle with his son and died in Poland. An earthy rampart marks where one of his fortresses once encircled 16 wooden longhouses. Experts believe the settlement played a significant role in defending against approaching enemies. These two hordes found
9: like only eight kilometers from the Viking fortress Fyrkat, which was one in in five uh, strategically placed uh, forts that Harald had uh, built in Denmark.
14: Some of the treasure will go on display at Alborg Historical Museum this July. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: Next, conservationists hope to cool the violence against lions who are encroaching on the livelihoods of Kenya's residents. Details to come on NTD News today. Welcome back. The growing tension between humans and lions in Kenya has led to the killing of 10 lions in one week. Conservationists are caught in the middle.
3: Conservation group Big Life Foundation has tried to balance the needs of the local people
5: with efforts to expand the lion population this this wild animal needs space including predators so we are losing a habitat very important habitats for predators uh, because of a land, land subdivision and people resort to selling of land uh, and then human population also becoming a challenge some people fear the loss to
3: their livelihoods due to lion attacks on their farm animals and a recent drought drew lions closer
8: This livestock are similar to my land and they enable me to survive since I am unemployed. My husband is also employed. We have incurred huge losses since it is this livestock that enable us to pay for school fees.
3: Big Life has a program of compensation to people who lose livestock to lions as a way to try to prevent lion killings. The Wildlife
5: Management Act is quite clear. Lion is under the same category with the rhino and and, and elephant. Because they are all endangered, so if you participate in lion killing, uh, you might land yourself in jail uh, for 20, 20, twenty or for a life imprisonment, or twenty million uh, Kenya shilling fine, or both. However,
3: residents have not been satisfied with the amount of money offered after lion attacks, nor the time it takes to get that money. They have become more protective after losing livestock to a drought that's been called the worst in decades in the East Africa region. There is a significant disparity between the value of our livestock and the amount of money that we receive for compensation. Cows are expensive and can cost as much as 80,000 Kenyan shillings. One cannot compare 80,000 Kenyan shillings to 30,000 Kenyan shillings. We receive very little compensation. That is why we become angry, and despite receiving compensation, we come out and kill the lions. One of the recent slain lions was 19 years old in one of Kenya's oldest you can
0: aid your joints by changing what you eat. Let's look at 12 natural ingredients that can keep you mobile as you age. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body.
10: People of all ages can experience joint discomfort and pain. It can be due to weather changes, exercise routines, arthritis, and other conditions that affect the joints. The good news is is that you can help support and promote better joint health by modifying your diet. Let's start with number one on the list: berries. Blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, and blackberries are all high in antioxidants. Enjoy them by the handful or in smoothies to ward off inflammation. Number two: bok choy. Bok choy is a cruciferous vegetable often used in stir fries. It contains a compound that can block the inflammatory process. It may also slow cartilage damage in the joints. Number three, broccoli. The cruciferous vegetable contains a substance with the ability to help block enzymes that can cause the joints to swell. Number four, fish. Consider cold water fish like tuna, halibut, salmon, and trout. These are great sources of omega-3 fatty acids which fight inflammation in the joints. Two to three servings per week are suggested. Number five, garlic. Garlic contains an anti inflammatory compound that interferes with pro inflammatory substances. Therefore, you can use garlic to help fight inflammation and it may help to stop damage to the cartilage in your joints. Number six, ginger. If ginger supplements are not for you, then enjoy it in your food. It's particularly easy to add a knob to your fruit smoothie. Ginger contains chemicals that block inflammation pathways. Number seven, grapes. A Texas Women's University study reported that eating grapes regularly can ease knee pain associated with osteoarthritis. Grapes also may improve joint flexibility and overall mobility. Number 8. Green Tea Green tea is a great source of catechins. These are potent compounds that can support joint health. According to research, it can help to protect and preserve collagen and cartilage. Number 9. Olive oil Olive oil is a great source of omega-3 fatty acids, which fight inflammation. Use extra-virgin olive oil in dressings, drizzled on vegetables, stirred into soups, and as a butter substitute. Number 10. Spinach Antioxidants and other plant compounds in spinach can relieve inflammation and support joint health. Number 11, turmeric. The curcumin in turmeric blocks enzymes and cytokines that cause inflammation. Enjoy turmeric in curries and other Indian dishes as well as smoothies and soups. And finally, number 12, walnuts. Walnuts are a source of healthy omega-3 fatty acids. These fight inflammation, including that associated with joint pain.
0: Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Chris Beers and you're watching NTD News.